0: There come some points in time when the right people are in the right place at the right time. And while this can definitely be used to describe the plot of Chrono Trigger, it is a perfect description of how Chrono Trigger also came to be. Developed by Square's quote-unquote dream team, Chrono Trigger was released to much fanfare in 1995. We'll teach you all about the dream team and talk about why this game is generally regarded as one of the greatest games ever made as we take today's time-traveling trip down memory card lane. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. I hope these words find you well. Hello and welcome to the 50th, that's 5-0, 50th episode of our Video Game Nostalgia podcast, A Trip Down Memory Card Lane. Each week we take a look back at one title relevant to the current week in gaming history and we talk about it. While doing so, we hope to teach you something new about the game, what it took from the world as its inspiration, and or what it gave back to you in its legacy. Today, we're looking back at Chrono Trigger, released for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System in the United States on August 11th, 1995. I'm Dave Kasson, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, who, like Gato the Robot, always sings once beaten in a submission. Trust me, I know. He is, of course, my younger brother and co-host, Rob Kasson. Rob is it a singing career or is it a boxing career? Which is it?
1: Well, I don't think either of them would be going well either way because here I am doing this podcast, so I guess it doesn't really matter.
0: <laughs> oh, coming through with the shade. That's good. That was man. I I deserve that. Absolutely deserve that. Uh, how's it going? <laughs> It's going well. How about yourself? Oh man, I just adopted out a foster kitty. It's pretty great every time I get to introduce them to a new family. So uh, that makes it a good day. Hell yeah! yeah. Great to hear. And it was a—it's uh, a family with children, and the children were so excited. They were so excited. That is absolutely what it's all about.
1: That's absolutely incredible. Always great to hear giving a pet a great home and giving a family a great pet to call home.:
0: That's so, so, very true. So what have you been playing this week? Well, this week has been a bit of rocket
1: League, some Tarkov, uh, and a new game called Splitgate. What is Splitgate? So Splitgate is a it's either alpha or beta, but it is a game that is a combination of halo and portal. So you it, it's similar to Halo maps and guns and you're running around in like team deathmatch or capture the the ball like uh, oddball is the game mode. They have shoddies and snipers. It's basically all Halo game modes, but with portals. So you literally have portals that you can shoot and teleport around the map with. There are certain areas on the map and you can go through your team's portals. You can go through enemy portals. You can shoot through portals. It's actually pretty cool.
0: It sounds incredibly interesting. I'm my interest has peaked, so I will have to look it up. Never heard of it. That's Well, it's weird. free,
1: so definitely give it a try. No, cool. this isn't a sponsored message. <laughs> but in that on that note, hi creators of Splitgate, notice me.
0: Notice you. Notice me, Senpai. How about yourself, Dave? What are you playing this week? I Played a little bit of Ghost of Tsushima, but admittedly, most of my gaming free time was spent playing the game of today's topic, Chrono Trigger. So I'm going to ask you right off the bat, how familiar familiar are you with this game? On a scale of 1 to 10, probably a 2. So have you played it? I've
1: played parts of it. Most of my experience, though, has been watching speedruns.
0: Okay, so you've been watching speedruns? Some speedruns, but yeah,
1: I haven't watched an extensive amount. I have watched a couple of speedruns.
0: Do you know anything about how it came together or anything like that?
1: I don't know any of the backstory. Honestly, I don't even know the story. I just think it's cool to watch and watch how they set up all of their combos and how specific spacing affects the combos and affects the attacks and just all of the different things that are done to optimize playthrough of the game
0: it's it's very true spacing of the attacks huh
1: well i i'll I'll let you talk about the game We'll, we'll get into it a little later on but there's some pretty cool stuff that i learned that may help you in your encounters
0: okay all right so let me ask you this um if you could put a dream team together like these game designers and or media creators, if you could put two or three of them together to make like what you think would come out of it as the ultimate game, what like off the top of your head, who do you want to see come together?
1: Oh, I, I know so little about this kind of stuff. Man. It's,
0: it's not just about this. Just let's say, well, No, I'm just saying like
1: creators in general, like one of the few creators that I can name off the top of my head is a Toriyama. Okay. But that's, Ironic, because I know he is a part of this game, but also happens to be the creator of one of my all time favorite
0: anime series, Dragon Ball. That is absolutely true. That is absolutely true. Well, you know, we the reason why I'm asking is because we we have a little like we have this kind of sort of these days, you know, when 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 big names get attached to it, you know, like everyone is excited for Elden Ring because it's your Dark Souls, you know, team with George R.R. R. Martin, for instance, you know. So you get the the difficulty in the broody art style from Dark Souls with arguably one of the the most famous fantasy writers in the world right now, you know.
1: Well, that that's fair. I think that if I really had to think about it, if I looked at the creators of some of my favorite gaming series growing up. And not necessarily just gaming because obviously Akira Toriyama, but it would have to be Akira Toriyama. Shigeru Miyamoto and And? Takashi tezuka
0: Okay, all right, that's a good dream
1: team. All some that we have talked about on separate episodes because Super Mario and Legend of Zelda. Go check them out.
0: It's fun to think about, and if you're listening, I, you know, I would encourage you to think about it. You know, the the, sometimes the right people come together at the right place at the right time. You know, there's some definite pedigree to to episodes. And that definitely applies here with Chrono Trigger. So Chrono Trigger was conceived by three designers that Square dubbed the Dream Team. They were, as you already mentioned, the first one we'll go with is Akira Toriyama, creator of the Dragon Ball series. And I don't know if you know this, but he's also one of the primary character designers on the Dragon Quest series. That I was not aware of. He's known he's known well for both. Of course, he's more famous for Dragon Ball, but he's been a character designer on just about every single Dragon Quest game ever created. Aside from that, the second part of this tree team was Yuji Hori, Yu- <laughs> Yuji Hori which is the creator of the Dragon Quest series. So you have the drag, you have the creator and the main character designer from Dragon Quest. And then they got together with Hironobu Sakaguchi, who's the creator of the Final Fantasy series. So essentially, what you have is the Final Fantasy pedigree and the Dragon Quest pedigree coming together in one. People were excited. People were super excited when when this came, you know came to fruition when when it, it, I mean, think about that. even at the time that those were some of the most storied I mean, those were your Those were your two biggest RPG series, honestly. Um, And you had them coming together. I mean, it was bound to create something awesome. I'm not even going to pretend I'm not biased. I I love this game. and, And I will tell you from playing it this week that I feel it's aged. And I'll talk about it more. But I feel it's aged very well. And my love for it has not weaned at all over the years. So this dream team, right? They came together and they had traveled to the United States because they wanted to research computer graphics because they wanted to create something that no one had ever done before. And uh, this was a time in which Nintendo and Sony were exploring the option of creating a, a joint project, which was known as the Super Famicom Disk Drive, or what eventually would be also called the SNES-CD. Now, the concept of the SNES CD was going to, you know, going from cartridge to CD was was technologically they were opening up new things for them, you know, because PC had CD-ROM and essentially your storage space and and everything could be so much greater on, you know, on on a CD-ROM. You know, alongside with that, originally this game was going to be created for the Super Famicom uh, CD-ROM drive and in turn they were looking to create a game for it you know essentially that that just the likes of which had never been seen now all these projects are working together you know separately the, the disk drive we can we can kind of throw out obviously as we know it didn't end up on the disk drive the you know i'd love to do an episode on it someday and we will but the snes cd rom drive was eventually. Uh, Cancelled by Nintendo, and Sony took their part in it to create the PlayStation. That's the history of the PlayStation in a nutshell, in case you didn't know. Um, did not. Yeah, it started out as an add-on for the Super Nintendo, and they took their technology from it and said, "Well, fine, if you don't want to work for us, we're gonna uh, we're gonna go do it ourselves." Probably smart. Turned out very well for them, did not? I would say so. Just, <laughs> just a little bit. That's why I
1: said it was probably a smart idea.
0: <laughs> so they they came together, traveled to the United States, had all these ideas they wanted to do, and just kind of the project stagnated for about a year. You know, they kept tossing all these ideas around. It was at this point that they received a phone call from Kazuiko Aoki. He was a video game designer who had previously worked on Final Fantasy 3 and 4. And Aoki had reached out to you know, with an offer to work with the Dream Team because he wanted to help produce the game. These were all game designers but they weren't producers, you know? These, the designers are the ones that come up with the, excuse me, the designers are the ones that come up with the idea and the producers are the ones that make it happen and they needed a make it happen type person basically. And so the first person really that reached out to them was Aoki. And so the four of them met and spent, ironically enough, it said four days brainstorming ideas and from there the project was set square then brought in a team of about 50 or 60 additional developers half of which who had worked on final fantasy 6 uh which had just released or was being worked on you know which is excellent case you know final fantasy 6 is stellar it's amazing to think that we had final fantasy 6 chrono trigger and Legend of uh, the, the Saiken Detsetsu series, Legend of Mana, basically. We had them all in a short period of time. Like, it was a freaking golden age for these RPGs. But anyways, he brought in 50 or 60 developers, um, you know, half of which came from Final Fantasy, half of which were newcomers. It was at this point that Masato Kado was brought in. Kado was, at this point, designated the story planner. So kato kato i don't know might be masato, masato kato It's probably kato you know me and my name pronunciations so kato uh, was the,
1: it's kato is I it kato
0: yeah. all right so said. he he was a video game artist scenario writer and director early on in his career he worked for tecmo on the ninja gaiden series and we've covered ninja gaiden uh early on i don't remember the episode he was an artist on the original Ninja Gaiden before moving on to movie director on Ninja Gaiden 2. And then he became the director of action sequences on Ninja Gaiden 3. Now, when we covered Ninja Gaiden, if you, if you don't know um, and you haven't heard that episode, Ninja Gaiden was pretty much the first video game to have essentially what we consider cinematic cutscenes. They were exactly as it says, they were cutscenes that were made to look more like a movie than anything. And that was a first at its time. Concurrently, you know, they, Square had kind of been wanting, because this is, this is a game made by Square before it was Square Enix. Um, this is a game made by Square, and they had wanted to license this game under the Seiken Detsetsu franchise. And so they gave it the, t- the working title, Maru Island. Now, as I had just said, uh, Seiken Detsetsu is what we know as the Mana series. The first one was released here in the United States as Final Fantasy Adventure. The second one is Secret of Mana, which I believe we covered on, like, the first or second episode of our podcast. Um, then the third one's called Trials of Mana, and then the fourth one, which is more recent, is called Legend of Mana. So, originally, this was going to be a game a game for it. Because of this, one of the producers in, the, in, the, in the, that series, the producer of specifically The Secret of Mana, Hiromichi Tanaka was kind of involved in the early designs of this game. More so, though, it said that he was monitoring it. You know, and as we know, this game did not become part of the Seiken Detsetsu franchise. It was separated from it. And when it, that happened, Tanaka was separated from this game, and he went to go work on the third one, the Trials of Mana, because that's where they were they were working on Seiken Detsetsu 3, um, which, of course, never came stateside, but Trials of Mana um and so on and so forth this is important because after this he would produce the sequel to chrono trigger chrono cross do you have any familiar- familiarity with the chrono cross one either
1: i've heard of it but that one i haven't seen any gameplay or anything
0: there are many you know how much i like my pedigree for games so there are other people too who worked on this game one other notable person to have worked on it was one of the game directors, who's Yoshinori Katasi, who currently is the brand manager for the entire Final Fantasy franchise. He was one of the directors on Final Fantasy six, VI, seven, VII, and eight. eventually, later on. And then he would produce later games in the Kingdom Hearts and later games in the Final Fantasy series before raising to where he is now, which is pretty much like... Uh, board member, executive director, and like I said, uh, brand manager of the Final Fantasy franchise. So, He was here back then too. You know, a, a, a lot of people. Um, another one that worked on it is Tetsuya Takahashi as a graphic director. Takahashi would go on to create all of the Xeno series, Xeno Saga, Xeno, Xeno Gears, and Xeno Blade, which is the, is the modern version of it and then one other person since we just kind of talked about it is Tetsuya Nomura who has pretty much led development on the Kingdom Hearts series since the very first one so like i said there was there was a lot of a lot of a lot of people this the people that have already had an impact on the industry along with people that will have will go on you know since we're talking about time travel corner triggers all about time travel uh, there along with a lot of people that will have a very significant impact in the industry they all came together in this one place i mean this is this is just a lot of really spectacular you know video game experience credibility um so on and so forth that came in this in here one other little fun fact i want to point out the second saiken Setsu, which secret amana state side was actually codenamed Chrono Trigger in its development. And at some point, it obviously lost the name. And as all the ideas and licensing for Seiken and and Chrono Trigger, as everything was sorted out, obviously Secret of Mana lost the name and it was appropriated to uh, Chrono Trigger, along with some of the features too. Um, Some of the battle features, some of the, the design things throughout the game they incorporated from basically they took things that they didn't use in Final Fantasy VI and Secret of Mana and they incorporated them into this game. So it's just a whole bunch of fun stuff coming together. Rob, do you know about the soundtrack at all? Have you heard any of the music to to Chrono Trigger? No,
1: everything that I was watching was all uh, taped over and I don't remember it from when I've played it, because I've only played it very briefly. So, it, it didn't have one that I could remember from that long ago with that short amount of time, but it's not to say that it's not good.
0: No, you so should... I'm sure n- it is. Yeah, you should listen to the OST for Chrono Trigger. It, it's an excellent soundtrack. So, so it was scored primarily by Yasunori uh, Mitsuda. A um, couple of his other credits, he scored, he scored some of the music for the original Mario Party, which we've covered in a previous episode. Uh, he's covered... Uh, composing for most of the Xeno series that we just talked about. Um, Like I said, Xenogear, Xenosaga, Xenoblades. Xenoblade Chronicles, I should be more specific. Um, And he's also done a a, a pretty well-known Japanese series called the Inazuma series. Um, And then he's got a bunch of tracks on Smash Brothers because uh, there are characters from his games that have made it into smash brothers and the music has come as music has come with them. So hmm. um, at one point, uh, Mitsuda came down sick. He had stomach ulcers and he had to take a break and they were up against the deadline. Um, it's said that at one point a disc drive was lost that had about 40 tracks that he composed on it. And it, essentially they were, I don't know, 10 tracks short of what they needed or something like that. So it was at that point that famed Final Fantasy composer Nobu Umatsu stepped in and kind of wrapped up the end of the soundtrack. So there's a little bit by Umatsu. There's a lot of it by Mitsuda. Both are really excellent composers that have gone on to do a whole lot within the video game composing industry. I mean, you know, Umatsu's Final Fantasy music is all over the place. Definitely seems like it. Yeah, a lot of people came together for this one. This was this was like the superstar. Yeah. I mean I, I man, I wish I could tell I, I I I'm trying to think of modern equivalent, like how everyone got excited when God Death Stranding guy. Who who's the um who's the Death Stranding guy now? Kojima. When Kojima came together and Kojima said he was going to create a game with Guillermo del Toro, which was PT, and um, and the guy who's in *Stranding*. I can't remember the actor's name now. I mean, that was like, that was like your, your weirdest video game guy and your weirdest moving di- movie director came come together. You know what I mean? And people were excited for that. People were super excited for that. And I- I'm thinking of modern equivalents. Like, that's one of the first ones, earliest ones that I can really come up with. Uh, you know, that's kind of that's kind of in the same vein where you just have two powerhouses coming together in the same idea that people are excited for. So but anyway, Chrono Trigger was a lot of give and take. It was a whole lot of give and take. Um, the creator of Dragon Quest, Yuji Hori, was a really big fan of time travel fiction like the Time Tunnel series. And so he, he sat down with your guy, your favorite guy, Toriyama, who was the creator of Dragon Ball. And they created a general story outline. And then Sakaguchi kind of went through it and was said to have added minor elements here. He, he kind of filled in some of the, the blanks. And then all these elements were taken and compiled and edited by Kato, Kato who, who's known, pretty much gets credit for writing the game's story. So that's, the, I mean, that's been his most notable thing. There have been some changes along the way. These aren't really spoilers because they're things that didn't really come to fruition. Like, for instance, Kato and Hori suggested that Chrono would die at the end of the game, Chrono being the main character. But Square deemed this too depressing, and the idea was scrapped. One other really fascinating thing to come out of development is that one of the things that Chrono Trigger is noted for is its multiple endings. It's one of the earliest games that had multiple endings. It's it's probably the game that innovated the concept. There's 12 or 15, I think eventually 15, endings to the game. And this concept of multiple endings came about because they just couldn't figure out how to properly branch out all these different story paths, which really amuses me because it's, it's pretty much like one of the things Chrono Trigger is known for. And it's really just there as a mechanic, because when they wrote this convoluted story of time travel, they really didn't know what to do with all these forks in the road. Basically, they were like, well, we'll just let the player go there and hit a dead end. We'll just let the player go there and hit a dead end. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And then, of course, one of the other features that came about from this game was the concept of New Game+. Plus. Now, New Game Plus, as a phrase, was first coined here. This is the first game that ever got the actual title of New Game Plus. But it really wasn't the first game that ever did it. Now, for those of you who really don't know, in case you don't know, New Game Plus is a concept in games like this where when you beat the game, because as you go through the game, you get better equipment, you get better stats, you basically become stronger... And New Game Plus is where you can replay the game after you've beat it with all set equipment and statistics that you gained in your first playthrough. So basically, it's a way to start your your start the game over that's kind of godlike. Um, at least at the time, it was godlike because it didn't change anything. Nowadays, there are New Game Pluses that increase the difficulty as you go through secondary playthroughs. Yeah, they do. Oh yeah, like like uh, Devil May Cry, for instance, or Dark Souls. Does Dark Souls yeah, have it?
1: Absolutely, Dark Souls does. And it does not get any easier the stronger you get because as strong as you get, so do the bosses.
0: Yeah, so back then, though, it was basically where you could start the game over, oh, God liked to play it again. And they did that so people could basically go through and enjoy the storyline and play all the branching parts you know, m- more casually if they chose to do so. And like I said, it's not the first game that had this concept. The first Megami Tensei did it. Legend of Zelda has its second playthrough. Ghost of Goblins, if you've never played it, spoiler alert, when you get to the end the first time, you go all the way back to the beginning and you have to do it again. It's literally wrote into the game. Um, So there are other games that have done this concept of having to replay the game. But Chrono Trigger was the first one that called it New Game Plus. And that's kind of been what it's been called since, honestly. I mean, I guess there's a few other titles for it, like nuclear or, or stuff like that. But new game Plus is, is definitely definitely what's used. So. So, yeah, so they started development on this game in 1993 and here it came out in 95. So it was a couple years and basically they just had they had all the star power behind it, man. They had the, some of the best RPG storytellers. They had an awesome character designer. They had good story writers. I mean, they just all they just they had everything. It came together and they made they made they made an excellent game. They made an absolutely excellent game. So let's talk about the game itself, shall we? That we shall. Let's go. Chrono Trigger is a role playing game. It's got a very unique battle system. For one, the battles aren't random your enemies are on the screen and the battles start when you approach them that was that was kind of different this is this is one other game we looked at that was like that was earthbound this is in the same period of time so that was a an rpg innovation that you know games were doing starting to do here but it was something kind of newer and when you started a battle it had this really co- it had it has this really cool tech system where you have these special like attacks but you could double them up and triple them up there were what were called dual techs and triple techs so depending on who is in your party you could do different techs like one character's magic is fire and another character's magic is wind so the one could do a tech where they would throw a fireball and the other person would would create like a tornado to spin it to all the enemies Um, And you just you had all these different techs, which where you could where you could move it like that,
1: which was super cool. And that is um, kind of what I was talking about earlier. So with that, depending on the arrangement of the characters, you could actually like instead of engaging at a certain battle at like the bottom of the screen, you wanted to be at the top because it would spread your character out and force the enemies in closer so that you could perform those different attacks. Or, like, with one of the bosses, you specifically wanted him to like come close to one of your characters so he couldn't counter attack. So there's just different things you kind of pick up and are able to like manipulate the game and use to your advantage to make those combos or those texts work.
0: That's really fascinating. I'm gonna have to go back and look at a speed run because i'm I didn't finish the game, and I'm really fascinated by the concept that I have some control over enemy placement in these battles to control it like that that's really fascinating i've never i you don't put much thought into it you walk up the enemy they put you where you are and you call it a day but if you have some control over it that'd be really really cool uh, yeah
1: it's, it's 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 a lot of it stems from the fact that you can actually see the enemies on screen before you're forced to engage them it's not like say pokemon where you're in the grass and Oh, all of a sudden, ah, I get attacked. Random, ah, scary. I'm in the cave, ah, random attack, scary. You see, for the most part, obviously, there are random encounters, but you see a lot of the enemies and can tell, like, where you're going to be in relation to them when you begin the battle.
0: That's really cool. That's very, very cool. So, yeah, so it's an RPG with a pretty innovative battle system. You know, we, uh, you know, I'll I'll talk a little bit about the other stuff because I want to get into the plot. As we talked about, it has a really awesome soundtrack. Really awesome soundtrack. Um, graphically, it's great. It's a beautiful, beautiful game with sixteen-bit graphics. You know, they they had some really talented pick artists uh, on this game, and it's. Alright, so I got to play it recently, and I got to play a port, you know? So I I get to look at it from the perspective, too, of of how it's been ported and everything. And it's an art style that just, it's timeless, I guess is a good point. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't look dated. For the most part, there's a few parts of the game. There's a weird racing sequence that looks kind of bizarre, because it was like they did this Mode 7 SNES type side-scrolling thing, and that's out. But the the game itself, the character art, the backgrounds, the enemies, it is all such it's all very intricate, very beautifully drawn. Um, it's great. So. Uh, so I'm going to go in the plot a little bit. I'm only going to talk about a few hours of the game. So, I, you know, this is a 25 to 40 hour game, depending on how much completion you go into. So I'm not really going to give much. I'm just going to talk about the beginning because I I One of the things I like about it is is the beginning in the beginning. There's a millennial fair in your, you know, and you go to the millennial fair and you run into you run into you bump into a girl and you get to go around the fair with her. And then you guys, you go and you visit your best friend who's some sort of scientist who's creating like a basically a a portal machine where you can zap yourself from one platform to the other but what happens is the mystery girl that you the mystery girl that you bump into she has a pendant on that triggers something on the machine and opens up a basically a, a time traveling portal that she gets sucked into and you decide that you want to go and rescue her out of. And you get dropped back in the Middle Ages and basically when you catch up with her you find out that she is a princess and what had happened originally back in this back time was that the queen was kidnapped and then rescued but because they think the princess is the queen because they're spitting images of another no one actually goes out to rescue the queen and that changes history and what it changes is the queen never ends up coming back and so the princess disappears right in front of you and everything just kind of unfolds from there. Are you following me so far? That I am. Okay. I really like this because it establishes almost a- like everything about this game right from the get go, right? You you know that you have time travel, you know you have the portal, and you learn right away, like literally within the first hour, that there are really drastic consequences for changing things in time. Um and it hits you with it super freaking quick. Um and I just, I don't know, man. It's a really cool way to start the game and just establish the rules. You know, it doesn't waste any time establishing the rules. When you do a time travel plot, it's really easy to, to, to convolute it, right? I, can we agree on that? Yes. Yes. I mean, there's just a lot of, a lot of, a lot of really confusing time travel, but this one takes a really simple stance on it, you know, if you go back in time and you change things, it affects the future, and that's the way they all are, but it does it in such a, they call it the grandfather paradox, right, because if the queen disappears, then she can't have the the children, then there's no, there's no daughter, grandmother, new princess, you know, because she's like three generations back, what have you, you know, you got the grandfather paradox right away, and it's just, it's excellent. In this game, you you get to travel between the current time, you get to go back to the prehistoric era, you get to visit this Middle Ages a bunch, and then you get to go to the future, too. And between them, you just kind of get to go back and forth, like, changing things, and the future is a post-apocalyptic, like, the world is destroyed type thing. So you spend a lot of time trying to figure out the what and the why, and then eventually how can we prevent it, you know, because you have the luxury of going back and forth. And it's just a it's just a really excellent, in my opinion, it's a really excellent story that gets going right from the get go. I will admit some of the dialogue is a little, I don't know, simplistic, maybe, but I don't know. In general, I can overlook that because I think it's a it's just an excellent, excellent game. Um, excellent, excellent game. Anything in the game that you may have seen in the speed running that I may have missed there?
1: <clears throat> not really that i can think of but i, you know, I as definitely not as much knowledge of this game as you so i'm sure there could have been things that even i wasn't paying attention to because i was paying attention to something else and maybe we both missed who knows guess that's why you got to play for yourself and find out
0: very very true this game has been ported a bunch. It's really easy for you to go and play it today if you're curious. Um, it was first ported back in 1999 when Chrono Cross, its sequel, was, um, was released. Um, they added some anime cutscenes to the game. Uh, stateside, it was released they, along with a newly translated version of Final Fantasy IV. They were released in a compilation called Final Fantasy Chronicles. In 2008, it got a Nintendo DS port, which contained the bonus material from the PlayStation port, along with two new areas. Those areas and a new ending tied the game into Chrono Cross a little bit better. And then in 2011, the DS version was ported over to mobile. Um, it was a little bare bones at first, but it and uh, a Steam version that would come a little bit after were all this slowly updated to include all the animated cutscenes, and um and additional areas features and everything uh surprisingly enough there are some that kind of think that the pc version is the definitive version of the game nowadays um i will tell you this so i played the mobile port um on my iphone and it's a very very good port it's a very good port it's easy to play the 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 control the control scheme is good the fonts easy to read. Sometimes you have that problem with old games. You know, they updated they updated the fonts. It is a very, very good port. I think it's ten bucks on the iOS store. So if you would like to play, if you would like to play it, it's very easy. Very, very easy to get it. So yeah, so that's Chrono Trigger. And that's how I feel about it. You've you've heard me talk about how important it is and the gushing. I've gushed over it for a while. So this is the point where I usually turn it over to you, Rob, when we look at reviews for the game. I did a little f- different today. I pulled some critic reviews because I wanted you to have a perspective, maybe not for me. Uh, critics love this game. It's on every like, best game ever list. Even at the time, it got 9 out of 10s type deal. Um, but I pulled a bunch of user reviews from people who don't agree with me because I thought it'd be fun to get a different perspective. So we have some different stuff for you today, but we're going to start with the critic review. So why don't you pull this first one from Game Informer here?
1: All right, Dave. So first up, we have Game Informer magazine, who says that from the opening scene to one of the 15 different endings, Chrono Trigger is a masterpiece like no other. Squaresoft didn't let anything get by them on this one. It seems to be the conglomeration of all the programming and interface techniques learned from their previous series. For instance, the graphics, which do not change as you go to a battle interface, are definitely secret of mana, but all the interfaces, storyline, and battle sequences are clearly Final Fantasy. However, the thing that Chrono Trigger has that no other Squaresoft adventure has had is multiple endings. The way in which these different endings are generated is determined by the time frame where you destroy Lavos. For example, about halfway through the adventure, you are told of many things that can be done in the different time frames. And what you do and what you decide to do before you destroy Lavos will have an effect on the outcome or ending. Of course, the quickest way to see one of the endings is to go fight Lavos without doing any of the other mini quests. Well, you won't be able to beat him, it's cool to see one of those endings. In contrast to Square Adventures of the past, Chrono is a shining new star. Like any RPG, this game will take 50 to 100 hours to complete, though it would seem that all the graphic upgrades the quest would be shortened. The characters that you meet during your quest all have well-developed storylines that make their small sprites seem larger than life. The magic spells advance and become more grandiose as they go to double and triple techs. To put it simply, Chrono... Is the pinnacle for RPGs of the Super NES, and must be
0: played to be believed. Fifty to a hundred hours. I always look no. up. I always look up playtimes on howlongtobeat.com dot com, and the average completionist time our average normal time was twenty three and some change, and completionist was like forty four hours. I think that fifty is the higher end of this. Um, but some other things he said kind of jive with what we were talking about. You know he mentioned that the graphics are secret of mana but the interfaces and all that are final fantasy makes sense considering that they took elements from final fantasy 6 and secret of mana and plugged them in here and who worked on it you know the multiple endings are definitely what it was known for and then it was just an excellent game uh now the next review i found was a retrospective review retrospective meaning that they reviewed it uh based off the ports later on um, it's off a site called never ending realm so, yeah, let's see what Neverending Realm had to say about uh, Chrono Trigger sometime later.
1: All right, so Neverending Realm said that they are impressed. Chrono Trigger, which was first released in the SNES in 1995, has always inexplicably lived under the shadow of the great Final Fantasy VI. I think Chrono Trigger is every bit as good as Final Fantasy VI was, and then some. Graphically, Chrono Trigger blows any other RPG in the SNES and the Genesis out of the water. And yes, that includes Final Fantasy VI. The sprites in Chrono Trigger are very large. They look even better than the ones in the excellent Suikoden for PS1. Not only are the sprites large, but they are incredibly detailed and colorful. Plus, they are masterfully animated too. In short, in what the sprites are concerned, the game eclipses anything in its era. Which is not surprising, as this was Square's last great effort in the SNES. Chrono Trigger's story is perhaps its weakest point, yet it's still very, very good. Unlike Final Fantasy VI, which was very linear, therefore the writers had it easier when creating a more, let's say, engaging plot, Chrono Trigger is very open-ended. There are 12 endings, depending on what you do, and where, and when you fight Lavos, the game will reveal a different ending. The story is about a group of teenagers that get sucked into a time vortex in which, after some time traveling back and forth, discover that in 1999 AD, Lavos destroys the world. So the cast sets on a quest to prevent Lavos from ever being created. That is the setup for this tale, which is immense, even if it only lasts about 20 hours. The plot twists, while not many, are very good. Chrono Trigger is a magnificent game. A game even today, it will amaze players with its gameplay innovations, freedom, and open-ended storytelling. A true gem that didn't seem to lose any of its charm with age.
0: I always forget that this is one of the last one of the last games for Square um, on the SNES. Because you had this, you had six, and then of course, Final Fantasy VII was a PlayStation title, so. Got a word to think about. Well, like I had teased already, I pulled some user reviews for this game, and I thought it'd be fun today since I knew you were gonna hear nothing but raving from me and critics to pull some people who did not agree with us. What we have here are a bunch of people who have a different perspective on this game. So why don't you, why don't you grace our dear listeners, Rob, with an alternate? Alternate uh, viewpoint on this.
1: All right. So we have user KBMB on Moby Games, who says, "Ah, what can I say? I enjoy RPGs, and while I've always been a PC guy, there's always been a spot in my heart for them good old console RPGs. Chrono Trigger was a game that had been thoroughly recommended to me via friends and relatives." And I'd seen such praise about it here on Games and on various message boards. I thought it was finally time that I tried it out for myself. Right from the very beginning, this game glowed with that SNES classic RPG feel that I'd gotten so many times from so many games. And for most of them, I have Squaresoft to thank. Nostalgia instantly hit me as I saw the ticking of that thing in those grandfather clocks. You know what I mean. That bar with the circle on it? It goes tick-tock? Uh, anyway. Even though I'd never played this game before, I knew I was going to enjoy this romp. For now, let me reflect on the good parts of the game. If you didn't know already, the game's plot revolves around time travel. I'm not giving too much away here. You figure this out, two minutes into the game that is one of the few rpgs or games in general i've played for console that involve time travel and being an old kitty sci-fi wacko i loved the idea and i felt the game did it very well i also like traveling back in time to see what the land was like say one thousand years ago or forward in time to see what it's like several thousand years in the future Familiar landscapes and cities are a welcome treat. Some of your events in the past are even retold by people in the far future. This added a great thrill to the game. Now, where was I? Oh, right. So I began my game and was instantly disappointed. Why? Because there is absolutely no atmosphere in this game at all. Almost nothing to entrance me. Nothing to bring me into this game. RPGs have a way of making you feel something about the characters in it. They have a way of making you become the character you play. I've never seen an RPG fail at this so horribly as this game. Now don't get me wrong, the game was fun, but it completely lacked the atmosphere RPGs tend to have. Every NPC you talk to spits forth the most boring and unrealistic series of dialogue I've ever read. You never have any sense that what you're doing really matters because the people that your actions affect never seem to care about anything. Walk up to someone and they might say, cheer about the weather? Yeah, it might rain. Oh, and I hear there's a secret entrance underneath a bush near the cave to the east. I've played plenty of console RPGs, so I know that dialogue, particularly in Squaresoft games, is never really realistic. But this is way below par. Never in the game do you ever accomplish anything on your own, except perhaps defeat a boss. Everyone directs you wherever you need to go. Everyone tells you all the secrets. And if they're not doing that, they're dropping little hints so that that are so obvious that if you didn't get them, perhaps you shouldn't be playing video games anymore. (laughs) Oh, this guy. I know. Continuing Uh. on, even worse than the NPCs in the game are the ones you get in your party, which include two annoying girls, a frog, and a robot, none of which I gave a damn about. One girl is some sort of scientist. The other is some psycho hyperactive princess whom I got rid of as soon as I got more than three party members. As per the norm, you can only have three fighting at a time. And the other is some sort of robot that has feelings. Every time a part in the game comes along that requires one of my party members participates in a dialogue exchange, I just want to turn the television off so I don't have to endure their childish, boring, unrealistic, and unimaginative stories and obvious questions. The characters are also all about five to eight years old, I would suspect. That, or they all escape from the short bus. It's a personal pet peeve of mine in games where the hero is some 8-year-old kid with a sword. And by the way, why do you start with a sword? What happened to the whole, I wielded the sword to defend myself, acquiring of your weapon that happens in so many classics? Link grabbed a sword to fight those ball-spitting things. That secret of Maniket pulled one out of the thing to defend himself. In Final Fantasy 2, you were a knight, fighting for justice or something. In this dumb game, you're just an eight-year-old kid who happens to have a sword with him and gets himself into a whole lot of trouble. I wonder what his mother thinks of him wielding that thing around. And another eight-year-old kid is armed with a pistol. All
0: right. What? All right. This guy. This guy. This guy. (laughs) He Uh, really
1: dislikes this game.
0: Yeah, he really dislikes this game. He goes on for a little bit longer, but I think we kind of get the point. He really dislikes this game. <laughs> so look, I, I that's a longer review than I think I've ever had you read on this, but I really wanted to make a point. There are some people that really don't like this game. That really don't like this game. Um, I did pull a few other reviews. Take this next one. It's much, much shorter.
1: All right. Next up, we have from Metacritic, user Super Sour Sauce who says you can take both a frog and robot designed by Akira Toriyama through a prehistoric land. Best game ever. Because I just love when my cave girl Ayla from the year 65 million BC emerges into the year 2300 AD and doesn't even mention the mechs and robots walking around. Or how Marley is only important during the first one hour of gameplay before her character becomes void of all meaning. And how about those sudden spikes in difficulty? One moment it's smooth sailing, and the next you're facing a boss who deals 180 HP of damage. Every round. But hey, I'm a big kid. I can handle it, babe. I just simply choose not to. And play a more balanced and better designed game.
0: Yeah, um, it does have a sudden it does have a, a difficulty spike, I agree with that. It definitely does. So, uh, you know, I I think I'm going to leave it with those two. I think I'm going to leave it with those two. Um, OK, because it kind of gets the point across, right? I agree. Universally, though, this game is pretty well loved. It has sold so many copies. Uh, it's on every list of, I don't know, best of this and best of that. Uh, I don't know. It's on everything. It's been on the greatest hits line, you know. It it it's it's SNES and PS one title shipped over two million copies. It was on like every single bestseller list ever in the years it came out. The only thing that beat it in '95, specifically in Japan, what beat it was a Dragon Quest title and Donkey Kong Country two. <laughs> wow, I know, right? Donkey Kong Country two was uh was 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 pretty much there. It's been talked about in the same vein as Secret of Mana, been talked about with Final Fantasy. It's been even but put in the vein, same vein as the SNES uh, Legend of Zelda title, Link to the Past. So it's got really great company. It's built one game of the month here, game of the month year, and it falls on just about every single best game, you know, greatest games of all time. Uh, it's not, not high, high up there. I, I've seen it Actually, I've seen a top 10 in most of them, so I guess it is high, high up there. Um, it's definitely one of the best Super Nintendo games. Probably the best Super Nintendo RPG from that 16-bit era. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard not to heap praise on this game. Um, everybody else does. Why not? <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. And the, the ports have never changed that, you know, um, when the mobile and PC ports first came out, they weren't the greatest, but Square Enix has committed to fixing it. And it's, like I said, generally agreed upon that now they have and that the PC version might actually be the definitive version. It's a it's a great port you can get it on Steam. Like I said, I played it on iOS. It's great. So there's a lot of ways to try it. And the ratings for it have never subsided with the ports. If you look at, you know, reviews in the modern age, the ports have all been, it always gets nine out of tens pretty much everywhere, almost a nine out of ten. That's never changed through the year. So people who don't like it be damned in general, the world really loves Chrono Trigger. And and that's that's that, you know. So that it is. Well, I've gushed over it. I told you how it came together. We've, we kind of incorporated the legacy, too. You know, um, all the people that worked on this have went on to pretty much, you know, go on to do the rest of the Final Fantasy series. They created the Xeno Saga series. They created the Kingdom Hearts series. This was just a pedigree of people whose legacy has just reverberated through the entire industry. And it's kind of funny that it was Chrono Cross that did it because it's literally a game about how the changes you make at a certain point in time affect the chain, you know, they kind of you know reverberate out to other uh parts of time and Chrono Chrono Trigger definitely fits the bill for for that both in its plot and its own creation. It has a very very big legacy that's still felt in brands like the Final Fantasy franchise to this day. So, lot of legacy, but I think that's about all the gushing I want to do on it. Really, uh this is one that you definitely should go play. Like I said, it's aged incredibly well. It's 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 beautiful art that does not look out of date. Uh, In fact, it still looks better than some games that get released today. It's it it sounds good. It it looks good. It plays good. Um, Thumbs up. Big thumbs up from me. So, uh, yeah. Rob, anything, anything, any other questions you have? Anything I missed? Maybe. Uh, No, I think I am. lay good. I think you are lay good. Well, you know, um, that's good to know. I'm glad that you're good. I'm glad you're no. You know, we talked a little bit about some of the other games that people had done in this. You know, the other Final Fantasies and, and the guy who did Ninja Gaiden and Mario Party. You know, these are all titles that we've covered before. So if you'd like to listen to our episodes that we covered on these topics and learn some more about the people that are associated with these games... You can find our old episodes anywhere you listen to your podcast, or at our website, which is www.memorycardlane.com. Also on our website, you will see a calendar of upcoming events along with a submission button on each episode if you would like to submit a question, comment, concern, or your own gaming memory or review that you'd like us to read on air. We'd be more than happy to share your thoughts. You can find biographies on us. You can find a link to join our uh, Discord community. We've had some people join us recently. Welcome to all the newcomers. Thank you so much for joining. And you can also find a link to support us on Patreon. For only $2 a month, you can support this podcast. All the money goes right back into this podcast. I promise you I'm not spending it down at the local ice cream shop. You can do that either on the support link on our website or at patreon.com slash trip down memory card lane. And lastly, you can find links to our social media. I am on Twitch and Facebook. We have a a Facebook for this podcast, but I'm on Twitch as David is wrong. That's David underscore is underscore wrong, where I post Rocket League and... Um, wish video games happy birthday and post new episodes of this podcast rob you hopping on social media these days i can be found streaming on twitch.tv forward slash f-a-t-b-o-i-r-i-p-z awesome awesome well this is about the time where we wrap up the episode um as you may know, you know, each week we try to teach you something new about the game, what it took from the world and its inspiration and or what it gave back to it as its legacy. As we do so, we like to go round table and talk about the things that we learn. So, Rob, your biggest takeaway for this week. I
1: would have to say that this was the uh, first game with New Game Plus. That's, uh, something i'm i have found very awesome about devil may cry and dark souls specifically as you had mentioned earlier and to know that this is kind of where that started from albeit in a different manner uh is pretty damn cool
0: i think to be fair it's the first game that does it in the way that you're you're familiar with i mean yeah you know, the, the Legend of Zelda had its second playthrough, but it kind of rearranged the dungeons, and Ghosts and Goblins did it as part of the game, and technically Super Mario kind of did it. You know, you got to the end, you could go back to the beginning and play again. They all kind of did it. Megami Tensei is probably closest to this, and, and, and probably beat it, but I, in a lot of ways, this is probably the first game that is exactly the way you know of a new game plus, so.
1: Right, fair enough.
0: Um, what about so that, That's a good one. I was really unaware of how much this game kind of co-mingled with this Psychonauts Detsetsu series. You know, I'm a secret amount of Mana fan. I've gushed over that game on a previous episode and um, I didn't know how tied up these two games were. I didn't know that this was possibly going to be a Mana series game. I didn't know that. I didn't even know that, you know, the code name came from back then. Um, I, I just hadn't realized how I, I hadn't realized how how tied together this is, or that it borrowed elements from Secret of Mana or um, um, Secret of Mana or uh, Final Fantasy six. So um, yeah, so that was all new for me. That was a lot of fun. You know, and to a certain extent, I really had forgot how much pedigree was in this game. Like, I remember all these people came together, but there's a lot more people that were involved in this game that I had zero clue about. You know what I mean?
1: Oh, absolutely. It's pretty incredible.
0: So that's that's going to do it for that's going to do it. I gushed about Chrono Trigger. I'm still a big fan. Please go play it. Really, you're missing out if you've never played it. It's an it's a very excellent game. If you have any love for RPGs, it's worth your time. So, um, for sure. Uh, and that'll about do it for me. Rob, what do you want to add before I take it out of here?
1: Uh, as always, just want to take a moment to say thank you to everyone for listening. We love doing it and I hope that you love listening. Let us know your thoughts and hope to hear from you soon.
0: Well, on that note, I'm going to take it out of here. So next week, we're heading to space and learning all about the adventures of one of the greatest bounty hunters of all time. Released in August of 1986, Metroid literally literally created the genre that it exists in. And it's one that still carries its name to this day. That, of course, is the Metroidvania genre. You all know it. You love it. But this game is a pioneer in so many, many other ways. And we're going to look at all of it. We're going to look at the game. We're going to look at the genre. We're going to have a whole lot of fun. Basically, next week, we're going to take a space pirate hunting trip down Memory card lane. Do
1: that. Do do mbap, do pap, boot at a da 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 da
0: da